This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. My name is Ron Ecstasy, and this is Blue Man Group. I'm joined by all of the co-hosts, Devin Welsh, Abigail Fiscus, and John Bedrin. Hello, everybody. Hello. What is Good to be up? back. Thank you for having us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no problem. Uh, First Abby, week into the new year. Is, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear oh, me? hi, Abby. Sorry. Um... Yeah, uh, I hope everybody's doing well. We've done uh, 52 episodes. Uh, you probably heard the fireworks that we had last week, which were spectacular. Nobody was hurt, which is a first for one of our large gatherings. And I'm excited. Yes, and as more. John alluded to, this is the beginning of the Blue Men Group calendar, which uh, began begins this week, actually, because we completed our 52 episodes spanning that an entire correct. year. Yep. Yeah. And we're ready for more. And we are ready throw for more. Throw out your Gregorian. Throw out your Julian. Throw them all out. Throw <laughs> out, out every blue, weird blue old Manian calendar. Yeah. Yeah. That's let's right. Let's do that. Let's do that. But first, let's go into this week in history. Eighteen seventy one. In Central Africa, journalist and explorer Henry M. Stanley finds David Livingston near Lake Tanganyika. Livingston, a Scottish missionary, had not been heard from for years. What the hell? Okay. That was really uh, quick. Not a lot of info there. Yeah, that was really brief. I don't know either of those people. I've never heard of them before. The only thing that I caught was Africa, really. Sir Henry Morton Stanley meeting david livingston in central africa (laughs) to run into your buddy of all places yeah Mm -hmm. what are you doing here what are the chances all i remember that is a moment in history it it is and it apparently is because we were all taught it in school at a young age uh through the the Um, quip um dr livingston i presume yeah is what he was Uh, alleged to have said when he met up with him and uh, i don't know why i learned that i never learned what it meant or anything else but apparently that's what this guy said to the other guy i don't even know yeah i mean i knew that line i didn't even know that there were you know central africa had people and i was just assuming that you know dr livingston was a like a sitcom character right you have to imagine they planned at least part of it and then kind of told the father the, hasn't been seen in years. I know, but they need to make a story out of it. I mean, it's it's like the clicks, right? They're trying to get clicks back in the day. Yeah, and uh, right, yes, it's Doc- the Livingston <laughs> curse. Or yeah, Doctor Livingston, I presume, went ultra viral in those ultra days. Viral. This was like the biggest meme of of the 1870s. Yeah, it was yeah. like, whoa, he snapped, and uh, <laughs> and we learned that in school uh, because yeah. it was just like the hippest meme before the internet started but I guess. do we know yeah. why they were in africa well probably i can't imagine Stanley they were up was to a, anything good explorer. yeah i was gonna say but livingston was apparently off the grid in africa doing the, question mark the lord's work 
Well, I need to uh, specify here that we're talking about a couple of whiteies here. Um, yeah, and yeah. YT. That's separate letter. And in Africa, yeah. that is unusual, I guess, or you know, you're probably not from there. No. Um, so, what were they doing there, and why was it so difficult for him to recognize <laughs> Dr. Livingston that he needed confirmation that it was Dr. Livingston? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, presumably, um, his whiteness and his uh, <laughs> his kind of his, his style, his out of placeness. <laughs> yeah, his Scottish, yeah. his Scottish yeah. accent would have given the game away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, true. I'm on Dr. David Livingston's Wikipedia page, and his known for section says proselytizing Christianity, exploration of Africa, and meeting with Henry Stanley. Uh, wow. So this you, meeting, this, like, who this is was, Henry Stanley? That's the first guy. We don't guy know. Met- we don't know why. Who is? Why was Mr. Stanley there? Uh, to say the line, right, right, right. Where they <laughs> so maybe go it's there. they each start from one side of He's the Welsh. African continent and then they yeah, walk yeah. towards each other. So they meet Henry the Morton Stanley was a Welsh American journalist, explorer, soldier, colonial administrator, author, and politician. Sorry, what was that one when in the middle? He, yeah, when does he <laughs> sleep? Uh, colonial <laughs> administrator. Yeah, uh, Stanley was a... approached by King Leopold II of the Belgians. Oh, to uh, to to claim Congo. He has quite oh. a bit of controversies too. It seems like. Yeah. So there's these so, weird white guys running around Africa claiming stuff left and right, saying this is mine, this is mine. Yeah. yeah. So he's the one. Yeah, who says Dr. Livingston? I presume. And then we still don't know how Livingston responded. With you could have said <laughs> anything. Be like, uh, colonial administrator, uh, Mr. Stanley. Maybe he just left him on red. Maybe he just like. <laughs> Looked at him and like and just like you know away. rolled his eyes and then <laughs> yeah, kept going. Some... I, he's Scottish. Yeah, him, yeah, right. I, 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 yeah. So this is uh two. I th- yeah, I think we're on the other. We're on Livingston's side because he's like kind of uh, you know, uh, oh, wait. underground. Um, I I'm finding his what his resp- what the purported reply was. Okay. Um, on November tenth, eighteen seventy one, greeting him with the now famous words, "Doctor Livington, I presume." Livingston, presume. Livingston responded, yes. <laughs> wow, and then therefore the that. History. And, and then the, the rest is history. And the then, mystery yeah. was solved. And then, yeah, you and then cut to, like, journalists scrambling out of, like, a courthouse to rush into, like, phone booths to, like, get this <laughs> yeah. wouldn't believe what he the said. cables. Yeah, yeah so what did they do afterwards? Did he just go, okay, bye, and then just goes on his way? Or did they, like, make out, maybe? Or did they... <laughs> grab a beer or yeah. because it's uh, central yeah. africa maybe they went to go to a milk bar right? yes yeah. they, maybe got they a, started a mine a cool mm. glass of milk um but yeah what did they did they have any business with each other were they just kind of oh i recognize that guy i remember him living have they seen each other naked is a question i would like i to hope know. so well it's so hot in central africa that you'd be yeah. a fool You'd be a fool to wear all these clothes. Well, that's uh, some fascinating stuff. I've never, I've never heard that line. To be honest, I did not learn that in school. I went to a public school, um, uh, and they, they didn't. I missed that day. I had the flu. Yeah, that was and, an important on, day. Maybe they didn't meet at all. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, very poorly. Stay woke. Maybe Stanley like, was lying. This is all just fake. He was yeah. bragging. It was an op. He made up a humble <laughs> brag. It was an op. All right, everybody. That was This Week in History.
Now, uh, let's jump in to our next segment here. We have uh, a lot of news stories that we have to discuss. It's my favorite segment. It is What's in the News? What is in the news? All right, yeah, Dev. Tell we, us, Dev. Yeah, we, we do have some news here. Uh, looks like you've got... Uh, your light is blinking, Dev. Yeah, your light like, is blinking. The meaning, light that indicates who has the most pressing news uh, yeah, is blinking yeah. by your name. And, Dev, it looks as though you've got yellow rubber gloves on up to your up to your uh, like yeah, elbows. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a toilet brush. A rubber apron. That's right. A rubber apron... And you're wearing a gas mask. Now, what is going <laughs> so on over I'm there? I'm going to reveal the, the theme of this week's episode, uh, which is uh, something we're inaugurating. This is the first year that we're doing it, but this is Toilet Week. And uh, this yeah. is a week yes. Welcome to we toilet talk about week. all things toilet related. And we're going to be bringing you a number of interwoven, interlinked stories, um, sort of like uh, sausage links falling into the toilet. And um, yeah. I'm over here at the combination poo and running desk, which um, is something that I am an expert at both, actually. I've uh, been a runner for many years, and I've also spent many years defecating. Um, now, Dev, let me before you go on any further, let me ask you, what are you running from specifically? Oh, that's we don't have time for that this week, but... It's um, <laughs> this right. is toilet week. This isn't what I'm running from week. Okay, true, true. Uh, but I've got a headline, actually, a couple of headlines, uh, related stories. Um, you know, showing you that perhaps the the simulation is glitching or something. The first from Insider.com, a very trusted source, um, lots of inside mm. knowledge. A woman who pooped her pants halfway through a marathon and ran with it in her <laughs> shorts. Until she crossed the finish line, achieved a personal record. Well, good so, for her. Personal record of the size of the, her dump. We don't yeah. know. Uh, don't don't give away <clears throat> the game here yet, John. We've got some Sorry. surprise to uh, to keep bubbling. Uh, Tamara Torlikson is the runner. Mm. Toilet Torlikson. Torlikson's John. digestive tract is a well-oiled <laughs> machine. The article says. Whenever Ew. she has She's constantly drinking Whenever oils. she has a race or a Gross. long run day, her bowels automatically clear before she hits the road. Okay, well I wish mm. I could have that. Nothing was different the day of the Mountains Two Beach Marathon, her sixth race of the twenty six point two mile distance in twenty eighteen, and yet about halfway through the race she realized she needed to go again. How she yeah. handled the urge was unusual by pooping her pants. But she believes it served her well. <laughs> Torlikson ended up achieving a personal record as well as legend status in her running circles. So what do we think of this, gang? Uh, poop your pants, finish the race? Uh, it's a tough decision and one really you can only make when you're out in the field, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a snap mm-hmm. decision. I can't even believe she shared this with anybody. It's- yeah, that, I was thinking that too. Like, uh, <laughs> I imagine you know her mother or something. He's like, I saw your, I saw Tamara in the uh, newspaper the other day. She apparently <laughs> shit herself a bunch, but uh, won won the yeah. race. So I, I wonder. Yeah, who's the source on this? Is it Torlakson herself? I wonder. Um, she her was dry shouting. Cleaner. She was boasting as soon as she crossed. The or maybe line. everyone could smell it. I the, the press corps waiting at the finish line knew could smell a story when they when they smelt it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I smell a story. Um, after having her first child, um, 
Torlikson, then 31, was fueled by a sort of new mom energy. Some runners say they become faster after giving birth, allegedly. Whoa. Well, yeah, because you've, you know, there's a load. Yeah, like you when you're nine off. months pregnant, you're slower than after you're you slower. deliver the baby. <laughs> um, she yeah. says, training was going really well. I knew I was in really good shape. Um, she's an event planner in Sacramento who leads a local women's running group. So she's she's no amateur here. She's yeah, she's part of the lifestyle. Um, and this mountains two beach marathon. It's mountains the the digit two beach marathon. Yeah, which, so presumably yeah. it starts in the mountains and it ends on a beach. Uh, and in the middle, a number that's two. That's right. So it wasn't until the the event in question took place at mile thirteen or fourteen, when yeah, unlucky, unlucky thirteen. Oh, she realized good. she needed to go to the bathroom. She didn't want to lose. Yeah, and just like yeah. And just like she realized she was faster after giving birth, she thought, maybe I can speed up if yeah, I... Yeah, the more weight you lose, the better. Is this a winner's mentality? Like, <laughs> shitting themselves? I, yeah, I know. It's kind of... It, it straddles the fence, I feel. It has, like, arguments yeah. for both sides. Fuck lore I've never heard of. It's some sort mm -hmm. of inner... Inside straddling something, for sure. Disgusting. Yeah. They still underwear. have the shit. It's out of their body, but it's still... In their clothes. In your pants. They're in your extremely weight. thin, lightweight, like moisture wicking fabric oh. shorts. So she, and your, she didn't want to give up. It's rude. It's making she's like trying to win by making all the other runners. So sick. this is this is the winner's mentality. <laughs> it is a dirty... This is the winner's mentality here. She didn't want to give up. She didn't want to lose her momentum by stopping. And she so she said, I thought, yeah. I don't know if it's possible to poop while running, but I will try. She said, I didn't want one poop to mess it all up. So without those are tight pants they wear too. Yeah, you'd oh you'd be able to notice it. Well, she's really pushing the 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 she, performance of her performance athletic wear. John, she really disgusting. is pushing. <laughs> so without stopping, she relieved herself into the built-in underwear in her shorts. I had to focus, she said, and continued on her way. It just came out, and I felt a lot better, she said. She's explaining what going poop yeah, is like. Yeah, I had to focus. It comes out, and you feel better. Yeah. Torlikson didn't think anyone noticed, and she said she. Quote, didn't give a shit if they did. Well, she did. Small quibble. Marathoners don't judge, oh, she added. Geez. Marathoners should judge this. She shit yeah. her pants. I think... I feel like that should be I cheating. I think it's not cheating. I think it's... Uh, I think this is the winner's mentality, Abby. I think that question, I would answer it in the, in the affirmative. Well, so you know, she must have been, like, really close to the finish there, right? Like, you know, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to poop myself. It's really embarrassing, but, like, it's only, like, a couple more it? minutes. She, yeah, 26 know, and miles. And then I can go to the she's bathroom halfway immediately. Through. So she's exactly halfway through. Okay. And that's what I was <laughs> she's saying. She's near the end. The, the beach, too, you take a shit, <laughs> and then the mountains. Beach 13 mountains. miles with shit in her pants. You know, you hear the starting gun, and it's like, oh, oh, God, uh, uh. I, I don't want to. I don't want to lose my edge here. And you just take a dump right at the beginning of the marathon, and then you run the entire. Yeah, that would. Miles. I have a feeling she's. Yeah, this is some sort of maybe dirty protest or something. Like uh, she, she's been. She's probably eating beans and stuff like that beforehand to really like get everything in her stomach going and then yeah. shits halfway through. People are barfing behind her, and she's just <laughs> well, like, yeah, she's like. 
she's like kicking up her knees and like shit is like getting loose out of yeah. like the inner underwear and it's like flopping out and yeah like no she's mud like flaps kicking it with her heels as she's running and it's like mm-hmm. bouncing across yeah and track. she's like i've had a child i can do this and it's like whoa okay and then people have to stay back like 13 feet mm-hmm. they have to lift up that big plastic sheet. so i want to stop you here and i want to get into some expert uh, analysis on why runners sometimes shit their pants while they're running and this oh, is okay. coming from Please. Tamara Duker Freuman. Uh, Everybody's name's Tamara. Duker. Tamara Duker. So Tamara Duker Freuman, uh, a New York City dietitian who works in a gastroenterology practice, told Insider, uh, which is a, uh, we are a subsidiary of Insider, that long distance running could trigger yeah. the bowels simply because of the mechanics of the sport. Your organs are jostling around, she said. It can also lead to temporary incontinence since your blood is shuttled away from the digestive tract and towards your legs. Oh, my. That was uh, somebody. That wasn't me. What you consume before and during a race matters, too. So here we go. Get into the beans part. A high-fat dinner the night before could lead to more toilet time, even if you aren't running a marathon the next day. And race day... Race day gels with lactose or fructose as their main carbohydrate source, as opposed to straight glucose, can be harder for some people to digest. But sometimes the race day runs just happen, no matter what you've done to prepare. In that case, runners recommend noting ahead of time where the portable toilets will be on the route and tucking some (laughs) toilet paper or baby wipes in your pocket or fanny pack. So this is like a real thing. (laughs) It is. It's too much of a real thing. It's like out of hand, out of and the article just ends too. with you know how, or you um, can take Torlickson's unconventional advice and just keep going and she, and she and it ends with a quote <laughs> from Torlickson herself if I had stopped in a porta potty who knows what would have happened Well <laughs> Oh sorry that one was bad Yeah you're having too much fun with the soundboard buddy Okay sorry sorry, uh, sorry. You know when they call the uh, like nervous disorder like when you have like sports anxiety and you're performing like you know archery or like basketball or whatever and they call it yeah. you have mm-hmm. the jits the yips the yips excuse yeah. me yeah sounds like tomorrow had the shit that's right um um i'm assuming that this is a sponsor she's being sponsored by like adidas cross climate running shorts yeah she's yeah. or the like only shorts you can like take she may have been in. sponsored Man by x and was encouraged called. by her sponsor to take a healthy dose prior to the run and that may be what pushed her over the edge but hold the phone i have another article from insider.com um a related story Uh, um there's a synchronicity here a woman this is the headline a woman had to make nine porta potty stops while running a marathon what and still achieved a personal record so here we have what is the antithesis of of Tamara's case, which is somebody that decided yeah. to stop at the porta potty not once, not twice, but nine times. Deirdre Keen. Oh, that's like Deirdre Keen has completed 34 marathons, but tells other runners she's a quote parody of things you shouldn't do. Okay. <laughs> her, for, De- her name's Deirdre Tamara Keen. For probably. example, yeah, Getting into the beans part, for example, her pre-race diet may include Mexican food or Halloween candy. Her race day strategy <laughs> is to run as fast as she can for as long as she can, and her ideal time to get to a race is a little late. Ex- Wait. <laughs> race day strategy is to run as fast as she can for as long as she can. That's the idea of a race. She, she's just describing no, slow running. slow and steady, my friend. 
slow and steady wins the race wins the you race apparently so she likes to arrive to the race a little late so she is the 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 hare in the tortoise and the hare story who arrived to the yeah. race a little late ran fast and uh mm-hmm. ran out of gas had just been just been engorging themselves on uh, burritos and so Snickers Deidre bars. Keen has not run out of gas. Uh, experts recommend avoiding <laughs> greasy and cheesy foods, pacing yourself, and giving yourself plenty of time to warm up on site. So she's doing everything the experts <laughs> say not to do. Um, so while Keen's laid-back approach has largely served her well, I guess allegedly she's done okay, it made the 2014 yeah. Philadelphia Marathon uncomfortable. In part because of her hurried race day mm. breakfast, she wound up visiting every porta potty in the first 16 miles. Yet oh she achieved God. a personal <laughs> record. How could she have achieved 16 dumps? How could she have achieved a personal record a while record. stopping at every porta potty? Well, that was the record. Right. That was a record amount of dumps. But as you said, like 16. That is ungodly. And especially like if you're going to the bathroom 16 times, maybe running a marathon isn't what you should be doing Probably that drunk. day you think yeah, so she showed up late because she was okay drunk. so let me give you the rundown here <laughs> when you drink beer you got this could this lot. could be beer so she apparently showed up to the race with a friend uh who was running the half marathon assuming that they had the same start time of 7 30 a.m but when the pair arrived at 6 50 and got in line for the porta potties because they needed to go right away Keen learned her race was beginning at 7, and she just shoveled two protein bars and Uh-oh. two slices of buttered toast into her mouth with no time to <laughs> wow. digest or continue wow. waiting in line. She ran to the start and flung herself over the barricade, only to be surrounded by elite runners with whom she hoped to keep pace. And who have all shitted already. They've already cleaned themselves out, but after just five minutes, Keen's stomach started, quote, pumping, she said. The reality that I may be about to poop myself set in. <laughs> Winner's Fortunately, mindset. that reality. A, prepare to poop yourself. She she people. saw. An, what is wrong with inside? She saw an empty porta potty. Used it quickly and emerged possibly five pounds lighter. She said. Oh, but disgusting. it wasn't over. My strategy became to sprint as fast as I could, mile to mile, to make it to the porta potty <laughs> before the next explosion. She said. I visited nine porta potties wow. in sixteen miles that day. At mile seventeen, I was finally okay. Oh, and then there's a well, photo. You know what? It yeah. looks like a demon. There's a photo of her just like big giant toothy smile where she's she's very it's like I made potty she's very happy she's very Runners proud of herself. Runners are like healthy alcoholics. Something's not right with them. Yeah, that is true. Well, I have to say you can't really knock uh, the results. She had an extremely effective like motivation for the first si- yeah. sixteen miles. That is true. She's like, I, I have to make yeah. it to the next toilet. I <laughs> used to use that as a way to wake up in the morning. I would like drink a bunch of water and then know that like when I had to pee, it would right. get me out of bed. There you, I, go. There you go. That's winner's I, mindset. Yeah. Winner's so, mindset. But I would go. I wouldn't piss my pants in bed. <laughs> well, That's what these runners do. Well, you, yeah, sleeping. you make yourself late for work. You fill yourself up the night before, then you're late for work. You're running to the train and you're like shitting and pissing yourself. And then this article goes on to uh, to once again quote Tamara Duker Freuman. Um, who the, the gives the exact Huge same advice it, with the exact same sentences uh, at the end of the sentence. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Copy and paste. So in any case, Duker Freuman yeah. has weighed in on a couple of different uh, recent examples of uh, running and defecating, which is what this desk is all about. And um, that's, yep. that's a story. 
Wow, that was. Yes, I think I'm going to be good. a journalist. You are a journalist, no, Abby. You are a journalist. Yeah, we're journalists here. Yeah, um, yeah th- it's right. very easy. You don't have to be right, and it uh, sounds fun. And a lot of the times, you can j- just uh, control C and control V, as yeah. we learned from. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That is copy and paste for those of you uh, for our without, Mac users without yeah. keyboards, but. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Devin. From what now? What is that desk again? It's the uh, the shitting That's and running right. desk, or That's wh- right. How, yeah, that is one. You no, know, un- I was looking at this news. Sorry to interrupt. No, but there please. was like signs. New, I saw numerous signs of women. They were holding signs about farting. Like, mm-hmm. better keep running. I'm about to, I'm about to <laughs> fart. What oh. is going on with running and? Well, staff? it is toilet week, Abby. It, so uh, I think it's in the air. But this is this is a bigger epidemic, I think. I was disgusted checking the news about this marathon. Thank God I wasn't in New York for it. Yeah, most of the news this past week, uh, just all news is has been disgusting and yeah. uh, well, it's you ha- know, having to do with poop. It's it's the story. It's all the news that came out the week after Halloween. Everyone had loaded up on chocolate That's bars. That's right. So Got it. This week it's all toilet news. Uh, Got it. But John, you have a story because hold the phone. Toilet week's not over yet, listener. John, you have yeah. another story pertaining to Toilet Week in all its variations. Toilet Week just keeps flushing, baby. Yep. Yeah. Hit us with it, John. I have a story here from The Guardian. Hmm. SpaceX Toilet Leak forces astronauts to use diapers on trip back to Earth. Wow. How about Crew that? who grew first chilies in space faced 20 hours in capsule. <laughs> oh. So... God. What is so, the point of growing a chili in space? Well, so you the can waste eat it. Of time. So you can use the diapers. That you can really, yeah, been trying. Well, no, to so use. you can test out the fortitude of the new space. So we're toilet. all told just mm. to set the stage here to uh, to prepare the toilet. We we've all you know we all hear about SpaceX. SpaceX is doing all these wonderful things. They're sending you know these mm-hmm. these phallic objects up to the moon and back and. Uh, <laughs> They're called rockets, um, Devin. Rockets, whatever you want to say. But they don't tell you about <laughs> the dark side, the secret side, the underside of SpaceX, which is where what, where we find yeah. ourselves here with this story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so astronauts who will leave the International Space Station on Sunday will have to use diapers on their way home because of a broken toilet in their SpaceX capsule. Hmm. Uh, now, this is, of course, already happened. It's tough to so point fingers. They did do this. Yeah, tough it's to point fingers up in space. They try to keep a very, you know, uh, even profile among everybody. No fighting when you're in space. That's illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody knows that it was probably Shane Kimbrough, uh, astronaut <laughs> Shane Kimbrough, was the one who uh, filled up the SpaceX toilet and uh, broke it. I imagine. Yeah. Well, again, we're not gonna. We're, let's hold our judgments till the Shane end of the article. Kim- okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the NASA astronaut Megan MacArthur described the situation as, quote, suboptimal, but manageable. She and three crewmates spent 20 hours in the capsule from the time the hatch is closed until Monday morning splashdown, <laughs> which is, of course, referring to what they will all be experiencing as soon as they get off the ship. Get pumped. I hate them. Space flight is full of lots of little challenges, MacArthur said in a news conference from Orbit. This is just one more that we'll encounter and take care of in our mission. Um, after a series of meetings on Friday, mission managers decided to bring MacArthur and the rest of her crew home before launching replacements. That SpaceX launch had been delayed more than a week by bad weather and an undisclosed medical <laughs> issue, possibly oh. dysentery, involving one of the crew. Uh, the French astronaut Thomas Pesquet, who will return with MacArthur, told reports, 
reporters that the past six months had been intense. <laughs> the astronauts conducted a series of spacewalks to upgrade the space station's power grid, endured inadvertent thruster firings by docked Russian vehicles oh. that sent the station into brief spins, and hosted a private Russian film crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also did deal with the toilet leak. Ugh. Pulling up panels in their capsule disco- to discover pools of urine. You're in space and you find a pool <laughs> of urine. And it's like endless and that's what you find. Now they're admitting if they found anything besides yeah, the urine. But I have to assume yeah. that they're just being polite. Because this yes. is, of course, The Guardian. It's a British yeah. tabloid. So yeah. when, when they say urine, when you hear urine in the rest of this article, think feces as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a mix. The problem was first noted during SpaceX's private flight in September when a tube came unglued and spilled urine beneath the floorboards. I'm sorry, but if I'm going into space with a toilet, I'm using something stronger than glue doesn't to make sure that feces doesn't start floating around my face. I like how they say and floorboards, too. It makes it sound like there's like old wooden, it wooden like planks like in space. It's like super it, rickety. Yeah. It's very, yeah, it creaks when you walk on it. I know you can't walk in space. SpaceX fixed the toilet on the capsule awaiting liftoff, but deemed the toilet in orbit unusable. Uh, though that didn't stop some intrepid astronauts from trying. Okay. Engineers determined that the Shane capsule had not Kimbrough. been structurally compromised by the urine. This is a great sentence. Engineers determined that the capsule had not been structurally compromised by the urine Mm-mm. and was safe for the ride back. Okay. Uh, especially if they were wearing their the helmets next... the whole time. How does gravity and, like, shitting and pissing work? That's... It just, like, floats around. I think around. you have to, like, strap in... You know, you strap yourself in in such a way where, you know, maybe you, like, velt... It, like, sucks yeah, into yeah. your butt? I'm pretty sure it's yeah, a vacuum, vacuum yeah. thing. Yeah, well, Or yeah. Velcro. Did you ever read that Chuck Palniuk short story... Uh, shitting in space no which is about a boy sitting on a uh the the water pump at the bottom of a swimming pool for sexual pleasure and then it keeps john this is a family podcast but the next paragraph uh uh, the next paragraph gives away the game (laughs) here gives away the little urine well before we even before Mm -hmm. we jump into the next paragraph i would like to end the one i was just on because the astronauts will have to rely on what nasa describes as absorbent undergarments just so you know that they're Mm. not it's not diapers. Oh, I see. They're absorbent, absorbent underground. That's what a diaper yeah. is. Right. Well, yeah. uh, not in space. They I don't think. want to infan. Shane Kimbrough doesn't want to be infantilized. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> so this is these statements are coming from a space crew who's anticipating flight into space without a workable toilet. Next paragraph. The astronauts grew the first chili peppers in space. A nice morale boost, according to MacArthur. They got to sample their harvest in the past week. Adding pieces of the green and red peppers they to were tacos. Eating I was I was going to say they have Taco Tuesday in on the. But it's ISS. true. They had spicy hot peppers in their Mexican tacos <laughs> up in space, and then the toilet <laughs> breaks. Ironic. Just like one the of toilet. the marathoners right before, just Deirdre yep. had right and then before. Then the toilet the breaks, but yep. no, just urine was discovered. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have a nice quote. They have a nice spiciness to them. <laughs> And a little bit of a lingering burn, MacArthur said. <laughs> Where like, the burn is located has been undisclosed. Some by found that more yeah, troublesome. Some found That's that more it. troublesome than others. MacArthur, uh, MacArthur's quote finishes. So he's shifting the blame yeah. away from himself mm-hmm. towards other sp- astronauts. Some, yeah. yeah, who smelt it, dealt it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's right. Um, also returning with MacArthur and Pesquet are the NASA astronaut Shane Kimbrough <laughs> and Japanese astronaut Aki- Akihiko Hoshide. Nice. 
SpaceX launched them to space station on April 23rd. The capsule is certified for a maximum 210 days in space. Friday was their 196th day aloft. So we can expect the toilet to continue to be broken, not fixed anytime soon. Feces and urine floating everywhere. A hard burn yeah. around the orifices of the astronauts. Yes, a lingering burn. Yeah, you. Uh, and and it, the article ends: one American and two Russians will remain in orbit, presumably mm. without a working toilet. Yep. Um, but they and, have each other. They have each well, other. Well, it'll be it'll be sort of a cold war because they'll be both trying to not be the first ones to dump. Yeah, space. that's right. Mm. A mutually assured constipation. The first because. Exactly. <laughs> what are some other first milestones in space? Like? Oh, see, this is a topic that I'm really interested in. All of the things that they don't tell you, they tested or experimented. Like first person, yeah, first off. sex in space. Exactly. The first sex in space has happened, and they haven't told us anything about it. I know, and we right. need to know. The we first kiss in space. Oh, that is kiss. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, Buzz Aldrin and uh, everyone he came in contact with, I think. First first astronaut in space, Julia Roberts from the film Pretty Woman. No kissing. <laughs> yeah, well, that that is good. That that sounds like a we could do a full hour episode just looking at yeah. firsts in space. Uh, first tickle fight in space. <laughs> While we don't have torture. confirmation of the first jacking off in space, we can expect on SpaceX news to come that if they report the shower got clogged mm-hmm. in space. Yeah. We'll know what that means. <laughs> and Shane Kimbrough's still up there, apparently. Uh, he doesn't yeah. want to come down. Yeah, we know exactly who is doing all of this. Well, thank you very much, John. That was a great report from the uh, toilet of SpaceX. Yeah, the, to- um, the space toilet desk. Spa- yes, thank you, from the space toilet mm-hmm. desk. I'm uh, gonna wander mosey on over I'll to my desk here. over here. Uh, I've, I'm I'm over at the uh, World War II desk. It's pretty. Uh, it's been decided. Uh, it's not happening right now. It's all old documents that I'm mm-hmm. looking at. But I've got a headline here from uh, Ontario. This is breaking uh, news in Canada. World War II. Yeah, breaking World War II news. This is the newest World War II news we have. World War II sergeant to be added to Guelph, Ontario's cenotaph after teen noticed name was missing. Wow. So a young man named Thomas Zabo, uh, among uh, student Canadian remembrance torch researchers, <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing. What uh, a group. That's nice. Has been shedding some light on veterans. Hopefully not too Many much light. He, he has a, a, a flashlight collection, potentially. But uh, he's, he's 16 years old, and he goes to Guelph Collegiate Vocational Institute, GCVI. And he found the record of Sergeant Joseph Harold Yemen, like mm-hmm. the country, uh, through public library archives and learned that he was previously unrecognized by the Ontario City's Cenotaph. So, so my question is, yeah, if it, yeah, what is, what a, is a cenotaph? Yeah, if you're wondering what a cenotaph, yeah, let's 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 set. Oh, I thought some, that was the name of the city. Some definitions, yeah. Well, Guelph well, is. Well, could be for all I know. Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, is in between Toronto and Windsor, Ontario, near Detroit. And then a cenotaph is a uh, marker of sorts, like a monument marker of names of people who died in war, I believe. Or uh, is it just war? That's right. That's memorial. right. It's a memorial all over Canada. We've got these statues with, uh, you know, a little soldier at the top, and then we've got the list of names, people in the community that uh, that sacrificed their lives for 
for, yeah. for the cause. People who bid it. And um, yeah. Thomas Zabo must have been uh, a very... Um, a very detailed uh, student of these things cross-referenced the cenotaph with the existing records and noticed a discrepancy. Exactly. Yeah. So that hard. let's, <laughs> uh, let, let's just, uh, <laughs> let's, let's focus in on Thomas Zabo here. Now, by the sounds of it, we've just explained to you what a cenotaph is and all that kind of stuff. Guelph, a weird name. Uh, yeah. A lot of our listeners are shredding to their ears are glazing over because they're so unenthralled by all this news. But imagine you're Thomas Zabo and you are volunteering all of your free summertime into the local public library to study all of this stuff because well, that's, you're so enraptured. That's what I was going to say. He sounds like a pretty nerdy dude, right? Like he doesn't seem that cool. Well, guess what? There's a photo of a young Thomas Zabo here. The guy seems cool as hell. He's uh, wearing his hat backwards. He's got some kind of shaggy curly hair. He's wearing some sort of like surfing t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's wearing a mask. He's got gloves on. He's in the library. He's in the archives. Yeah, he's, he's very tan. tan. He's backwards tan. He's a- We don't know if the chair is also backwards. I think, true. I oh think Thomas Zabo could have a career as a male model, to be honest with you. He yeah, is yeah, not yeah, yeah. a bad-looking young is- man whatsoever. Yeah. He's, yeah. It, not only is he a great researcher, he could also... Uh, strut down the the catwalks of Guelph, downtown Guelph. Uh, so yeah. let's get back into this. Uh, as a student research volunteer for the charity Canadian Remembrance Torch, Thomas spent anywhere from five to 25 hours each week combing through the archives. Uh, he and other students at Guelph uh, GCVI, that's Guelph Collegiate Vocational Institute, are part of the Canadian Remembrance Torch's Torchbearers Program. <laughs> which aims to promote remembrance year-round for Canadian veterans. And it Uh, looks like he caught them uh, being forgetful. That's right. (laughs) It seems like it. The opposite. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. And he he did break faith, uh, or somebody broke faith, but he reestablished that faith. Devin was just... What just, did you just say? Is that Devin beautiful? popped over so to the this poetry is, desk. Popping over to yeah. the poetry desk, I, okay. I have to say as my insider Canadian knowledge, this to- all this torch talk, all this talk about torches mm-hmm. is actually a reference to uh, a poem uh, called In Flanders Fields by Thomas McRae that uh, was taught yes. to all young Canadians um, about the sacrifices made in the First World War. So a little outdated, but you know. That is true. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it looks like there is a bronze book with the poem inscribed, a cenotaph, mm-hmm. if you will, at the John McCray Memorial at his birthplace in Guelph. Oh, Ontario. so there we there go. There we go. How so about the torch that? burns especially bright in Guelph because McCray himself is a is a Guelpher, a Guelphite. So back to back to young Zabo. He says, going through all of these archives and reading about all these amazing stories about Guelph. It really just stood out to me, and it connected me on a much more personal level than anything else I could have found. So that's pretty nice. And uh, the rediscovery of military personnel from both world wars has been happening since about 2014, said Tammy Adkin, which is full name Tamara. Mm -hmm. Um, Tamara makes another appearance. (laughs) Manager... Wild. Manager of Museums and Culture at the city of Guelph. It prompted a call to the community to identify missing names. In 2018, 33 new names were added to the city cenotaph, and 19 were corrected after initially being presented incorrectly. Wow. That's, 
19 no. being presented incorrectly is yeah how many were much. there in total uh, fucking died for say, the country exactly this is how they treat someone it. is gonna have to lose their job over this i have a feeling that the first initial one was done at the uh royal canadian legion yeah after you know a mean. few That's molsons a, uh, uh, if you know what i'm saying exactly some very insider canadian <laughs> uh references here um so as a result of uh young thomas zabo's research Sergeant Yemen's name will be honored at the Guelph Cenotaph, as we've heard 10,000 times. <laughs> so uh, he's cross-referenced soldiers' names. We, Abby said that's easy to do. and um, He's only 16 years he old, so you that, know, he's not doing anything super complicated. But, you know, he is a male model, yeah. and, uh, you know, so uh, we've got to cut him some slack. See, yeah. the, the lucky thing here is he has the Thomas Zabo has a reading level of a 17 year old, and that helps. Um, a little so, uh, according to the Toronto Star newspaper clipping in May 1941, Yemen was one of the seven brothers from Guelph who served in the Second World War. How about that? It's go, going off to uh, go see a bit of Europe with your brothers. Uh, according to historical records, the sergeant was the only one of the siblings who died as a result of the hmm. war. Uh, um so <laughs> the runt of the litter <laughs> i heard that they use families like this to do the dropping of the atomic bomb there was like a famous letter from a mom with like seven kids and they oh, all wow. died they wanted to and give them like, you need to end this something to talk about at christmas i guess yeah um well they couldn't They're this all was dead. of course uh, the the brothers in the war story was of course the the subject of saving private ryan whose other mm. brothers had died the the Maybe reverse of this about. situation, where all the brothers except <laughs> right. one is alive, where in this case, uh, yeah, a reverse Harold Yemen. But since Yemen was the only one of the seven brothers, he was quickly forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Until well, he had no one to talk about. That's it right. With. Until young Zabo comes comes through. Now that is pretty. What do you think cool. Zabo's motivation is here? Do you think he's doing this because he just loves history, or Adderall. he's just? <laughs> well, I was gonna say if we scroll down a little bit, so um, let's find out the about the article. There are some yeah. Let's find out about who are also in the torch. Missy. Mr. Zabo's true motivations <laughs> may be revealed as we continue here. Yeah. Um. I I I I don't know what you guys are inferring that I'm supposed to be reading here, but uh, because <laughs> John kind of wants me to go to the bottom and talk about some new people, and I feel as though Devin read something that says says his motivation. So I'll take it over but, here. Uh, Contributing to Remembrance Art Media, separate section of the article, it goes into, you know, reveal maybe some hidden motivations. Maggie Huang, another student at GCVI, female student. Uh, very attractive, spends time each week preparing and designing social media posts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the Canadian Remembrance Torch. And she's nude yes. in them, which is weird. Um, it's a weird uh, way to get people's eyes on remembrance, but and, that's what you got to do And we've got uh, Rania Hashmi, uh, another uh, GCVI student who was involved in promoting remembrance year-round. So what we've got here is uh, a... a a sort of large group of beautiful young women that Mr. Zabo... Yeah, the GCVI like student core seem to be, all be extremely attractive. It's a modeling agency, I think, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that uh, just kind of also <laughs> wants you to remember World War II and one if you've got time. But uh, yeah, what happened this... to teenagers having acne? None of these kids. True. They have beautiful skin. That's something that's to point. look into. I... Acne seems to have been solved. Um, 
seeing as yeah, these yeah. that would have been helpful back for some of us uh maybe honoring your ancestors or the fallen you know countrymen who clears up secured your, your freedoms clears your skin up that'd be cool as hell well yeah so i thought we would uh um share that story and remember those who fought in world war one and two uh and i would like if maybe we push to have young Thomas Zabo's name added to the cenotaph. I know he didn't yeah. die in either of those wars, and I know he wasn't even around for them. But uh, well, he you could kind his of own way. Yeah. yeah, you could kind of count it as friendly fire in the war because he these names weren't on the memorial of the dead list, and then because of some actions that he took, nineteen more dead men showed up. <laughs> Yeah, on the record books. Yeah, inadvertently, Thomas Zabo killed nineteen men, re-killed them, or something like that. So, uh, thank you very much, Ron Ecstasy, for uh, reading that. You're welcome. And uh, it was a nice little reprieve from Toilet Week. Yeah, little. I know they had. Yeah, they had little to nothing to do uh, with toilet. Well, toilet Week but... requires an exception, which proves the rule, and I think uh, this story uh, uh, accomplishes that. Yes, but uh, I would like to throw it over to. Our intrepid reporter who's generally on the ground and out in the uh, road, but happens to be with us here in the studio. We managed to catch Abby after one of her long trips. Oh, yeah. I'm trips back. abroad. Welcome back, Abby. And wh- what do you what do you have uh, over at your desk at the Abby Report? Uh, well, guys, I was uh, just visiting the beautiful town of Vauxhall, England. I don't know if any of you guys have been there. It's Big one of my fan favorite. Of my Morris, one of my favorite Morrissey albums. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Vauxhall. it's one of my uh, favorite places to visit. But anyways, I was sitting in Bonnington Cafe. Okay. A nice little vegan cafe. Yeah. And a British woman came up to me mm-hmm. and claimed she was answering the call of nature. Oh, okay. Again. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. Uh, no. oh. At this cafe when she stumbled on members of a satanic sex cult get this eating pork pies and scotch eggs. oh my god okay. at a vegan uh, cafe so they, eating pork eggs pies and yeah vegan. so neither is pork. pork and so, so she pork. she goes to the she has to go to the bathroom at this vegan cafe she has to go number two presumably and she goes into the toilet and she finds these people eating pork pies and scotch eggs which will produce even more toilet time for all of them in the near future i know yeah i actually called devin when all this was happening was giving him the, the I lowdown was riveted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but yet so anya she was visiting the cafe with her brother when she made the shocking discovery finding 20 people dressed in black robes <laughs> carrying ceremonial daggers inside the toilet <laughs> not something you see every day i'll so, tell you that much so she took to twitter as we all do yep, to share yeah. the twisted tale S- standing in the stall still <laughs> she was in the bathroom tweeting about all of this surrounded by all these men and cloaks with the daggers and she learned that the group were likely members of a secret organization founded by an english occultist once dubbed the wickedest man in the world oh my god aka <laughs> alistair crawley baby uh, wow oh yeah Driscoll said she was enjoying her meal at the vegan eatery when her brother returned from the toilet and urged her to make the trip herself. Right. That's just what she said to me. Yeah. So Uh, she said he came back with an odd look on his face and she followed his lead, expecting to find some really bad art about veganism. (laughs) That's honestly the vegans under the bus. Good guess. 
But what she actually found when she followed signposts to a building next door was much so more So hold bizarre. on, let's recap here real quick. I, I can't do a so British it starts, accent. I stepped through a signposted door. Well, hold on, <laughs> let's just recap before we continue. Let's kind of get the listeners on the same page here. So we've got a brother who went to the bathroom, presumably to do number two. And then he comes yeah. back to his sister, who also presumably then has to do number two, go to the bathroom. She comes, she sees all of this, comes out, tells Abby. And the other thing yes. I'm confused about is there's, then I have to there's go 20 take people in the toilet. <laughs> How big is the bathroom here? Are we talking like... Yeah. They do things a little differently right. across the pond. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, continue with, with your story here. All right, I'll try the accent of yes, how she said to please. me. I step through a signposted door <laughs> that takes me into the terrace building next door. She wrote to me <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> uh, the toilet is apparently on the third floor. Feels like I'm walking up the stairs in a private home. At the top of the first flight of stairs is a landing room. And I was like, all right, let's keep going. Get yeah. the story moving. <laughs> it appears to be a kitchen. On a table, a classic British buffet of scotch eggs, breadsticks, cheese, etc. is laid out. The room is for a party. Except all the people, and there are at least 20 of them, are wearing floor-length black robes. Some of them have ceremonial daggers. They're making polite conversation and chomping on mini pork pies. It's like eyes wide shut meets keeping up appearances. Right. <laughs> She's a, a, a movie. Yeah, buff. so she told you all this yeah. she, in exquisite detail, making sure to say a classic British buffet because she knew you were not from England by your accent. Right. I know. Right. I had no idea what a classic British buffet right. is. So thank God she told me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so she claims she... She told me she tapped a cult member on the shoulder to ask where to find the toilet, and she returned to the group, shuffled into an adjoining room as one of the members announced that it was time to begin. Shitting. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this all sent her on a search online for discovering the details of the meeting, but she could not find any events listed. She went to Facebook events page. She checked Instagram. It's nothing. Resident advisor. Resident advisor, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, bodybuilding forum. So then she did what we all do, as I said, and she posted the channel to Twitter. And she was met with hundreds of replies, many offering suggestions on the group. Hmm. One user appears to have hit the nail on the head with his guess that the group were members of the Order of the Oriental Templars, an organization founded early last century by occultist and author Alistair so Crowley. The group is loosely based on Freemasonry and operates as an international fraternal organization, but has been described as a satanic sex cult by so who's the this reply? Who's this boys. person on Twitter that knows exactly that they're part of the Order of Oriental Templars? <laughs> yeah, because I yeah. wouldn't have been able to pull hmm. that out of my hat. So perhaps there's more to that story. Yeah. Well... I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Aleister Crowley, but he called himself the B666 and was known to stage huge drug-fueled orgies and was accused of horrific acts committed in magic rituals. He even founded his own religion, Thelema, the central creed of which is, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Huh. Celebrities such as the late Peaches, Geldof, Jay-Z, and Kanye West have been linked <laughs> to the secretive group. 
which only reveals its rituals to initiates. That seems like a big claim there that Jay-Z Jay-Z wow. was the, into this. Who Jay-Z was Peaches there. Geldof. Peaches Geldof. Peaches Geldof. I have no um, idea. Bob Geldof's from Live Aid's daughter, yeah. who was like yeah. a uh, uh, celebrity socialite in the UK. But so we've got this guy Crowley. And bigger than Crowley. Crowley who calls himself the Beast 666. And the worst thing that he's up to <laughs> seems to be eating pork pies in a weird costume. I, yeah. yeah. And he it's wants to nice. kind of simplify things. He says, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. It's like, okay, I mean, I, I appreciate it for, you know, cutting the red tape, but uh, mm-hmm. it's a little... Do what thou will. We're going to eat pork it's pies. In the bathroom. It's a little vague. It's yeah. like, okay, so do I go 65 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour on this road? And it's like, do what thou wilt shall be the <laughs> whole of the... Like. Okay, well... It's like, whatever you... Yeah. Yeah, just whatever. It's called libertarian. Kind of a lazy man. law, yeah. It's just sort of a, go ahead. Well, let me tell you, that was a very random day. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds so, like it. Abby, I'm a little confused here. Did you go up to this this room after hearing all of this? After no, all of this was related sound, to you? It didn't sound that interesting. I just she wouldn't stop <laughs> talking to me. Did yeah. she tired. say yeah. Yeah. So she say that these people then entered the toilet area when they said now it's time to begin? Maybe it was a sort of a ritual around toilets. Well, I don't know mm. if you guys know this, but in England, the toilet's in the kitchen. Right. Oh. Yeah, those weird English. Uh, yes, Maybe that's, that's why the, the confusion That's why was. the oh. food's so good. And in England, the chefs don't wear chef whites. They wear long black that's robes. That's right. Mm. So, and, yeah, and their and daggers were... look a little extra fancy because they're British. So they're, she just ended up in the kitchen. Those are just knives. You know, yeah, yeah they're just, it, it's just the, uh, the prep kitchen, like people prepping for yeah. some later Cut. meals. And I don't know if you guys know this, but they do have um, vegan substitutes for pork and eggs. So yeah, there might actually be nothing going egg. on in this story. <laughs> it could at have all. been vegan. <laughs> and one thing that's that British people talk about all the time because the toilet is in the kitchen. Sometimes somebody could make a chili or a stew in a pot, and then the toilet could be mixed up for the chili <laughs> pot, and hilarity well, ensues. It, and it's just. I'll just say this is one of the things I like about England is unlike in America where we'll just shit our pants instead of going yeah. to the bathroom <laughs> yes. mid, you know, mid task. That's why they have bathrooms in so many different rooms. In yeah, the house. to avoid mm-hmm. that specific, very particularly American uh, phenomenon of shitting. Wow. If, well, seriously, if, if you got to shit 19 times while you're cooking your pork pie and scotch eggs, you can and you're not going to. Yeah, you're you not going to mess just, it up. Yeah, d- they do things a little better over there. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, who was it? John, Sir John Crapper, or something like that. The, Thomas the Crapper, inventor. Yeah, yeah. W- wasn't he a, <laughs> no. a British yeah, Sir man Thomas or Crapper something? invented the modern toilet. And, there we go. Uh, yeah. uh, friend of can't make this stuff up. Friend of the royal family, uh, uh, who can also generally be found in a toilet uh, area. Uh, well, thank you so much, Abby, for uh, the Abby report on that um, mm-hmm. potentially satanic sex cult meeting happening at uh, Bonningtons or wherever <laughs> yeah. you were in Vauxhall, which is now. now we're, did we're, did we're, the woman or her brother end up pooping? Um, uh, I can ask them and let you know next episode. Let's get a follow up on this one because I'm a little curious because the the article doesn't. I mean, your report doesn't mention anything about whether or not they had to relieve themselves, which was what I was waiting. That was sort of the conclusion I was waiting for. Kept me yeah, going absolutely. the whole time. Abby, were you visiting Presume. friends or family there or was it just business pleasure? I was by myself. Oh, okay. That's Wonderful. cool. 
Uh, well, thank you very much for that report and uh, really appreciate that. And uh, everybody, that was What's in the News. Now, before we uh, head on down to our numbers, which I'm sure are off the charts by now, uh, I would like to jump into our special report of the week. It's the parked car of the week. Wow. Ooh, There's so many parked cars. You see them everywhere, but some stand out. Some stand Dev, out. Dev, that is so true. Like, the, okay, I was driving around earlier today. I could not keep count of the amount of cars that I saw parked, not even moving. Now, if you think about this, most of the time, your car that you potentially own mm-hmm most of the time it's just sitting there and it's not even doing anything. You're only using yeah. it very, very little. Yeah. So it's sort of the, the, the road version of your bed, you know, you're only using it for part <laughs> mm-hmm. of the day. And John sleeps in a race car bed. So it's kind of like he has best of both, best worlds. Of both worlds. Yeah. yeah. That's so, how I sold it to my wife. Uh, we have a headline here from insider who is a deeply sponsored, sponsored deeply implicated this web, in this, this uh, week's uh, show. Yeah. This, <laughs> Yeah, so we have a headline here. Uh, a car parked for 47 years in the same spot on an Italian street has become a monument or a cenotaph. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for all of the people, it's run down. Yeah, so uh, a parked car on a street in Italy for nearly 50 years has been become a tourist attraction. Angelo Frigolent, 94... <laughs> Parked his car outside the newsstand that he owned in 1974 and never moved it. Craziest <laughs> man ever. <laughs> it must have been a really good spot. Yeah, it's like you, I don't want to move it. I'm not going to get that spot again. So town officials have now had to move the car as it was blocking the <laughs> flow of traffic and pedestrians. Just all of a sudden, apparently, <laughs> uh, for the past 47 years it was fine, but now they got to move it. So. Uh, it's become a, a local landmark, as we said in '74. Uh, Angelo Fregolant uh, parked his car at the newsstand, uh, which he ran with his wife in Conagliano. Whatever, it's some details that we don't really care about. Uh, so it is a Lancia Fulvia uh, from 1962. It's a compact four-door and has since become an attraction for tourists and residents in the town who come to snap selfies with it and post on social media. And those everybody knows that those posts get the most likes. When These fuckers will post anything. <laughs> when huh? you have a Lancia Fulvia behind you. Uh, so um, Covered in spider webs. So I just want to highlight a detail here. So Fr- Frigolent left the car parked in that spot on the street in 1974 when the couple retired. So he retired from his newsstand and then he's just like, I don't need the car anymore. I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to give it to anybody. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it here in the spot that I normally park it for the rest of my life. Yes. My life. Yeah, he's been planning. retired for longer than I've been alive. Yeah. that's. I feel like you would need your car more when you're retired. Yeah. I have a, this is the kind of life that he lived. He could just, once he, once he retired, park the car. You never need to drive again. And, and it's stayed there for so long now that the vehicle has even earned a marker on Google Maps to indicate where this parked car is. This is a famous parked car. It's a landmark. Yeah. yeah I, I To be honest, I just have a feeling he lost the keys. That's and, actually a really mm, good point. 
Perhaps this just is just <laughs> has not. He didn't want to admit yeah, he that he lost the it. keys, and thus he left it there for. He and, was going to take it to the grocery store, and then he put his key in one day, and it broke off inside the door, and he went, "Ah, eh, eh. fuck it." Yeah. So last month says a lot about the infrastructure about this town too, huh? or about the laid yeah, the back car that's like ruining the laid back posture of uh, of the you know the administrators of the town to let the car stay where it is for forty years. <laughs> So, uh, thank you very much, everybody, for uh, that that report from Italy. And uh, the Lancia Fulvia mm-hmm. is uh, now mine. It's in now, my garage. I've taken. Ron, it. I have a question. Did you find anything left behind from the previous owner in the Lancia Fulvia? Like a yeah. His did you keys. find? Did yeah. you find his lunch? His last lunch. Uh, yeah, there was a lunch from 1974, the day he he uh, retired. It's all everything from the day he retired is in the exact same place <laughs> as it was before. Has yeah. not moved. Everything in the house, uh, from his hair to <laughs> a brown bag else. of like of peanuts that he was going to be munching on later <laughs> in the day. And, yeah. Exactly, and and a t- and a tomato. It's like Pompeii because it's in it's in. Uh, so he's getting uh, he's Italy. like you know he has a. Uh, uh, like some girls by the Rolling Stones or whatever, like brand new vinyl record. <laughs> they just got it in Italy. That's right. He picked it up sitting in the yeah. passenger seat. All right, everybody. That was the parked car of the week. Now, before we uh, wind down, we have to go through some of the most important aspects of the show. Last week's numbers. Oh, man. I can't wait to see what's going on here. Um, wow. Yeah. So we have uh, last week's numbers right in front of us here, and uh, it is not necessarily uh, the best. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, so, down 30% over the past 14 days. Uh, again, we're just bleeding <laughs> listeners. We must uh, have some sort well, of something is going yeah. wrong now here. a lot of our um, listeners are probably hearing the fear that they well they're imagining fear that they're hearing in our voices but really think of think of this podcast like a marathon a long distance runner okay in order to go the yeah. distance you have to jettison off any extra weight you can spare you know mm-hmm. you have this gurgling mm-hmm. going on in the in the numbers in our listener counts and instead of like stopping to try and address these issues it's better to just let you know your pants fill just let it go just keep moving forward yeah well i do think that toilet week is definitely going to help it has uh, a catchy title uh it's something everybody's familiar mm-hmm. with but let's see in the uh last 30 days we've had 612 downloads last seven days 133 we're it's on too bad i don't know i uh it seems as though maybe the listenership is uh you know, maybe a few weeks behind, and that's fine. That's just totally fine because all-time downloads six thousand nine hundred forty-seven. I predict by the next episode we're gonna have over seven thousand listens. I think I think we will too. I think uh, we can safely say we'll we'll be on our way to seven thousand. The the graph is going back up. There were some dips, but it seems to be picking up a little bit. And um, the numbers are encouraging, despite the uh, red arrows uh, pointing <laughs> the downwards. flashing red arrows. Yeah, that are. Pay no attention to. Yeah. 
Yeah, pay no attention to the to the flashing red arrow. So, uh, United States, a huge 73.6% of our listenership. 9.72 from Canada over the past week uh, or so. Uh, Australia, then United Kingdom at 4.86. Argentina and Switzerland. So, Argentina, I do believe, is, is coming up. We are pulling in listeners from the southern hemisphere uh, in, in Argentina and Australia. But... Um, Potentially the Pope. He's from Argentina. Who else is from Argentina? Ava Peron. Uh, <laughs> uh, My co uh, uh, Abby's co-worker. Ex-co-worker. Abby's co-worker, yeah. Ex-co- that, Ex-co-worker. That's uh, s- soccer player guy. See, that's, that's th- there's things to learn. There's things to learn. We we alienated the Austrian listeners by telling them all telling them all the things that we knew about Austria. Now they're nowhere to be seen in our listenership. Uh, at one point, they were very high in the rankings, but uh, Austria has tuned out. Yeah, that's that's the kind of uh, great reporting we do. And I want to thank personally, listeners. Please please stop listening. But I would like to thank the contributors here: Devin, Abby, John. Thank you so much for contributing this week and all the weeks. Thank you. And you, listener, I hope to be in your ears next week and the weeks to come. That's this right. has been another episode of Blue Men Group. My name is Ron Ecstasy. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>